it's time to get mental. Uh, <laughs> uh, it really is. It's we gotta stop delaying this stuff. Uh, it is so valuable. You will see a difference. Uh, there's a lot of different tools out there. Find the tool that works for you and start using it. Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential, grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? Well, that's the big question. In this podcast, we'll help you answer those questions and more. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to Fallible Nation and a warm welcome to our first time listeners. Hey, I know there's a lot competing for your attention out there. I appreciate you taking the time to check us out. Be sure and touch base with me at the Fallible Man on most social medias. Let me know what you thought of our show. I'd love to hear your opinion. And like I said, we appreciate you giving this chance. And if you really enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. Today, my special guest is neuroscientist, CEO, and co-founder of the mental app, Anson Whitmore. Anson, welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. All right. Great to be here. Now, Anson, we, we start on the lighter side. So how's your trivia? <laughs> Not as good as you would think for someone with a PhD, but <laughs> but bring it on. I, I would assume that you were busy studying more relevant things than random trivia facts, but, you know, just, just that's assumptive of me. So I don't know. Yeah, I go deep. I go deep. <laughs> <laughs> what is the oldest soda drink in the United States? Is it A, Coca-Cola, B, Pepsi, C, Dr. Pepper, or D, Canada Dry Ginger Ale? Oh, the ginger ale is interesting. I would guess it's, I mean, I know Coca-Cola is really old. So I'm going to go with that. Back to the days when it had cocaine in it, right? Right. <laughs> really happy days of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and for all of you who didn't know that, yes, Coca-Cola was originally called Coca-Cola because it had cocaine in it. Yeah. Wow. So guys, you know the rules. Don't skip ahead. Don't cheat. And for God's sake, don't write down your answer. If you're driving, just remember it. And come back to it later. We'll deal with that later. Now, Anson, I don't do any introductions. That's, that was about as formal as it gets. So in your own words today, who is Anson Whitmore? Yeah, uh, PhD in neuroscience, uh, CEO and co-founder of Mental, the only mental health app built for men. Dad of two young boys, one years old and four years old, and also uh, a kind of retired out semi-professional rock climber, but I still love to climb. Nice, nice. I, I saw a picture on one of your social medias of you climbing. So I didn't know if that was yeah. a hobby or if that was a little beyond a hobby. Yeah, I used to push it pretty hard. Uh, you say, mostly it's like bouldering, but I used to also, uh, do big walls, including some really big solos of thousand plus foot cliffs. And now that I have the little kids uh, and a <laughs> wife, I don't do that anymore. Uh, but maybe sometime, like when I'm retired, when the kids are old. Well, you know, if nothing else, you can, you can hit a rock gym, right? Keep keeping a little bit of shape that way. I actually built my own climbing wall in the garage. What? Yeah, like the, I don't park the cars in the garage anymore. It's just a big gym, <laughs> to be honest. Um, like that's it. great. Hey, you know, I, I used to live a couple blocks from a climbing gym in one of the towns I used to live in. And honestly, like that was one of my favorite workouts. Like I, I go in the evenings and, and just go climb with my wife and we, we got certified to blade each other at the gym and man, that was just a great workout. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. A big part is, uh, you just get so into the flow and into the moment that I've noticed when I've gone into the gym and climbed, whatever I was just kind of stressing about, worrying about, or whatever was going on, by the time I leave the gym, it's just been wiped clean. And that's the power of spending an hour or two just deeply in the moment as stresses and worries just kind of dissipate. I love it. I love it. Clarity. I get money on a motorcycle. When you do anything oh, awesome. you actually have to be 100% president, it's amazing. Yeah. Right? If you get sidetracked while you're climbing and can fall to your death. You have to be in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thing on a motorcycle. It's the same. So yeah, I had a motorcycle for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, another thing, 
Uh, my wife is not happy with me. Which <laughs> uh, sensible again. But what is your best playground insult? What's my best playground? Playground insult. What is a playground insult? You know, when you're a kid, you're pushing each other around the playground. Your mom. Oh, insult. Right? Playground <laughs> insult. Yeah. Playground insult. Uh, Oh wow, uh, yeah, I that that's a tough one. Um, I, I think we'd always just be talking about your mom's face. Or, <laughs> um, I can't say I have too many good ones off the top of my head anymore. <laughs> See, we're tapping into a whole different part of your brain today. Yeah, weapon of choice in zombie apocalypse. Ooh, uh, yeah, I gotta say, samurai sword nice uh, they're good i mean just keep using hey you've run out of bullets with all the other ones samurai sword you know it's fast nimble just taking heads off i don't know wasn't there a character in waking dead who had one yeah i think so i didn't ever watch much of that one i watched like a season or two and the samurai sword just seemed most effective and you never ran out of bullets right and it's quiet so you don't draw a crowd that's true right yep. loud, no loud noises <laughs> in zombie movies always end badly yeah so you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life. What would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably uh, spaghetti. Spaghetti? I'm from the uh, Midwest. Grew up eating spaghetti outside Chicago. It was a big thing. Yeah, like a, maybe a parpadelli or ragu or something like that. Oh, man, so good. <laughs> Meat or not? Meat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what about you? Oh man, uh chicken fried steak and eggs. Oh well, yeah. I'm I'm a southern boy. I, I grew up with a very southern family. Didn't live in the south a lot, but I, I grew up with a very deeply Texan family. So chicken fried steak and eggs, hash browns, gravy. Mm. I can eat it morning, noon, and night. The only thing that comes close is chili dogs. Like chili dog. Nice. <laughs> I'll eat chili dogs for breakfast. So, you know, some people eat like, yeah. pizza for breakfast can't stand it but chili dogs i'll eat chili dogs for breakfast oh well yeah pizza used to be mine and i i used to when i was younger i'd be like it's the perfect food it's got carbs and if you have some meat on top and vegetables uh, i didn't really get when i was younger that i was like okay maybe not the healthiest <laughs> fair enough yeah. what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you made in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life well, now I'm thinking about food, and the best buy of last year was just like a, a cheese grater for Parmesan that uh, <laughs> went on to the ragu I make. I was like, that was the best buy of 2023. I don't know why we didn't have one of those. <laughs> hey, is, it, is yours a totally homemade ragu? Like from scratch? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I get into it. Yeah, it cooks for like three hours. Big process. Mm -hmm. It's a Sunday meal. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got my red sauce, my ragu down to... 13 hours oh well <laughs> it's a slow cook. well i make it i only make it maybe once a year and it's a really big pot and it's a slow cook all day to cook yeah. everything down and then there's enough sauce for like we jar it give it away to people That's away. It's, it's a couple mils oh man you're gonna have to have me over at your house so there's like four, <laughs> there's like four pounds of meat an entire bottle of wine <laughs> yeah it, it's yeah, a long Slow cooking all those ingredients kind of just like melt together mm. and infuses each other with their flavor and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The longer it cooks, the better because it just comes together. Ironically, mine's hotter the next day. I don't know what I do to it, but like it's spicier, hotter the next day after yeah. you refrigerated it one night. It's weird. Mm. Yeah, you gotta have a little in your regular. Little 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 kick to it. If we were to sit down and have dinner together, what's one funny story your family would tell on you? <laughs> uh, that is uh, a tough one. What would be the, the top one? <laughs> I'm almost drawing a blank here. I should have prepared for some of these questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, a funny story about me. Yeah, but what, yeah. what would they tell on you to try and embarrass you? You can, you can yeah. dig back a little farther than your wife if you want, what your parents would tell on you, your siblings, or anything like yeah. that. God, I'm just thinking about, yeah, what are embarrassing stories of myself. I'm not 
sure if this would be the, the go-to story my wife would have, but it stands out in my head as one of my more embarrassing stories, which is I was young. I was at a movie theater, and we were watching that movie, Tom Hanks. Uh, I was like vice versa, or one of those where they like switch bodies. I'm kind of aging myself uh, here, but <laughs> we had, it was, you know, they're cheesy movies, but in the end, it had just like one of those sentimental scenes where everything was really quiet. The theater is dead quiet and was sad. And I was like eight years old and I just let out the largest fart <laughs> that I think my young body ever had. And it just erupted through the whole theater and the whole theater just started laughing their asses off. <laughs> and everyone in front was turned around and looking at me and I was like scooting down in my seat and pointing at my friend who was sitting next to me. <laughs> It was a very mortifying experience for me. And when we left the theater, everyone was like, oh, that scene, that was an amazing scene. <laughs> I guess it was everyone was thinking that's like what that scene we actually called for was, uh, <laughs> that was their review of the scene as well. Uh, but <laughs> hey, you changed that movie for them forever, though. Those people are going to like laugh every time they uh, ever yeah. see that scene. Again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember that scene. It sucked. So you, you, you did the movie. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was a little too mushy. Too mushy, exactly. What's one totally random fact people don't know about you? Uh, um, yeah, I spent elementary school in England. And uh, for a couple of years, I was at a private school. Um, and the private school had a headmaster who had only one eye because he, another one got shot out when his shotgun backfired. And at the school, they used to hit you with rulers if you were bad you'd have to hold your hand out and they would and they just swack swack <laughs> so oh i used God. to experience corporal punishment as a kid while i was in school can you yeah, imagine that in modern school today the lawsuits oh, wow. wow yeah <laughs> i can't imagine how pissed i'd be if i found out that teacher was hitting one of my kids so yeah, and yeah. our parents were like, yeah, go ahead. He probably deserved it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they weren't smacking me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what is something everyone should know about you before we dig in today? Mm. Uh, just deeply care uh, about uh, the amount of suffering people go through. Uh, it's really just motivated a big part of my career. I really don't like to see people suffer and I'm working hard most of my life to figure out ways to help people uh, experience less of it. Okay. Guys, we've been getting to know Anson just a little bit, who he is and connect with him. And the next part of the show, we're going to dive into the under-discussed topic of men's mental health. We're going to our sponsors and we'll be right back with more from Anson Whitmore. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to share with you guys, I don't always tell you how much I love doing my podcast. Like I passionately love what I'm doing. And one of the things that makes my life better as a podcaster is to work with a company like Grow Your Show. Grow Your Show is a one-stop podcast do it all. Now I use Grow Your Show for my marketing, but Grow Your Show is literally a one-stop shop. You can record your episode and just drop it off with them and they take it from there. It's amazing. If you are interested in picking up podcasting as a hobby, or maybe you're looking to expand your business and use podcasting in that aspect, Talk to my friends over at Grow Your Show. Adam will take care of you. I guarantee it. I trust him. He's my friend. He's my business colleague. And I wouldn't trust anybody else with my show. Guys, welcome back. In the first part of the show, we just spent some time getting to know who Anson Whitmore is, what he's about, and connecting with who we are in life, right? Now, in this part of the show, we're going to dive into men's mental health. And a lot of you know that I'm very passionate about this topic. I don't think it's something we talk about openly in the community of men near enough and it needs to be a normal conversation so we're going to get into that with anson but first we're going to ask anson tell us tell us the story right because you've you're a neuroscientist you've got apps like this is tell us about you yeah yeah i i, I don't really set out to work on men's mental health uh in particular but really looking back on it it's just such a logical next step for me to go here I, my whole career, I've been working in mental health, really, and it started in many ways when I was 19. My uncle, who had been living with us to help us through tough times when I was a kid, at 19, when I was 19, he killed himself. Uh, 
And that's why I got my PhD in neuroscience. Uh, I want to understand why people like my uncle couldn't let go of his childhood, how that led to depression and ultimately suicide. My research is really focused on rumination or just that repetitive thinking where you just can't let go of things. Um, I was out of Stanford doing research on depression and anxiety. What are the cognitive, neural, genetic causes of it? And my cousin, other side of the family, he reached out to me. I hadn't heard from him for a couple, in a few years. And uh, I didn't realize from the message that he'd left that it was a call for help. And I didn't get back to him in time because a few days later he killed himself as well. Uh, and that is what motivated me in a major way to leave academia. Uh, we were just making tremendous strides in understanding what are the causes of mental illness. Uh, but we're just doing so little to scale up its solutions. Uh, there's just not a strong suit of academics, solutions, or moving fast. So if we're dependent on academia to do this, I really believe it is going to take another 100 years. Um, so how do, how do we move more quickly? And um, that was a big motivation going into tech. Um, and tech moves fast. They know how to scale things up. If there's a solution, they get into the hands of millions of people. And I ended up joining uh, Calm, a mental health app, meditation app. Uh, as the founding data scientist, I was already pretty deep in machine learning, AI kind of stuff uh, from my research and was employee number 10. My co-founder at Mental, he was the founding engineer, basically built Calm with his bare hands. I think he wrote like 80% of the code base over there. Um, and we, uh, you know, I knew from research how much meditation could help you, but Back then, it was still looked at as pretty kind of niche and weird. Um, we struggled to get fundraising early on. One investor said, uh, meditation is something only done on college campuses and at Burning Man. Um, <laughs> but, and this is like 2017. Uh, so it's still kind of really like woo-woo. Even though the research was behind it, just nobody had spent the time to make it feel more normal, more commercial, more mainstream. And that was a really big thing that we did at Calm is we just kind of took away all those, those oddities or things that are more unusual to the American culture and Western cultures made it more normal. And we grew, we got tons of people into meditation, millions. Uh, sometimes I would tell the head of UA user acquisition at Calm, I was like, I think maybe you got more people to meditate than anyone in the history of humankind. Um, and so we were just, you know, proud of the work we did there, but it was always just really clear uh, that we were struggling to get through to guys. I look at the space, and it's just clear generally we are struggling to get through to guys. There's, you know, men are less likely to do therapy. You look at mental health app space. There's one report saying there's been 20,000 mental health apps built uh, basically since like 2017, which is pretty wild. Wow. Uh, and you know, a lot have been built explicitly for women, so they're not getting through to guys. Uh, all the general use ones out there, a lot of them are being used two to three times more by women than men. And if you look at their social medias, the tools used, et cetera, even though they say they're for a general audience, they're pretty female centric uh, when you look at it. And, and the problem to me, uh, you know, as I left Palm and started thinking about next steps is men are 80% of suicides. Uh, mental health issues is probably the biggest cause of death in men under the age of 45. We have a real mental health crisis. And if we don't figure out a way to get through to guys, we're never going to resolve the suicide crisis. This just won't happen. Uh, and we keep thinking these one size fits all solutions are going to do it. But men's culture around mental health, it is just different from women's culture around mental health. We need different approaches. We need different solutions. We need to meet men where they're at instead of expecting them to kind of come over and, and change before they get the help. This kind of weird catch 22 that exists right now. Um, and I think if we could follow the kind of research on how to do it, uh, we can connect with men, we can help them and we can make a huge difference. And we ultimately will see the suicide rate go down. And I think we're right now on this precipice where it's, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was weird for men to think about mental health. And I think now they're, they're doing so a lot more. And I think another five years or so, it's going to be normal for guys to be doing stuff to work on their mental health. They will actively realize that it is 
important to work on it in a daily sort of way. So I think we're seeing this real cultural, massive cultural shift happening. And I believe mental, the app we're building now, the first mental health app built for men is going to be a brand that's going to help push us over that tipping point and create this change that I think we so desperately need. And so I'm going to say it. So, so, you know, that way it's, it's not on you. Um, it's my opinion and right. I, I'm just me guys, you know, I I'm opinionated about everything. Uh, it's my opinion based on conversations with other mental health, uh, individuals, people who specialize in mental health, that most current forms of therapy or mental health treatment are actually geared more around the way women's brains process things and the way that women think. Now, I know women can think however they want and men can think however they want, but there is an instinctive way that men and women prefer to deal with different stresses and different things. And that face-to-face cuddly conversation that this traditional talk therapy is really not something that's aimed at men. That's not the way men process things. Yeah. has been my experience. Do you think that has to do with why we're having a, let me ask, do you, do you agree? Is there actually some kind of founding behind my opinion on that or not? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot there. There's uh, there are reasons to say that the current therapeutic approach is female oriented, female centric. I mean, men, when they're stressed about something, they, tend to prefer to try to solve whatever is stressing them uh, while women are more likely to want to talk about how they feel about being stressed and therapy is a little bit more geared towards the latter. I think if you had, if the mental health profession was really built for men, instead of just being pure therapists, they would be therapists slash coaches. For example, you know, one classic case is a guy who is struggling to get a job and, uh, goes to see a therapist and therapists say, well, how do you feel about not having a job? And he's like, well, I feel like I want to get a job. Help me get a job. <laughs> and that's kind of a coach, right? Like what are the steps you need to take, holding you accountable, making sure it happens. But a therapist then also go deeper if there's a blocker there. You know, the way you're showing up in interviews, uh, if you're avoiding different things, what's causing that? And so they're able to go deep. But where you meet the man at is around solving a problem and taking actions, that's the first step. And then you only kind of go deeper into the other stuff if it's necessary versus we're going to prioritize all the feeling part. That's the first thing. And we'll always start there and we won't really even necessarily do any of the coaching bit. Um, so yeah, that, that's part of it. And, and what you're talking about, that face-to-face kind of thing. I mean, that's also really well known is that uh, women tend to bond are more likely to bond face-to-face in conversations, uh, sharing uh, feelings and how they're working with uh, relationships, et cetera. And men tend to bond in a way that's more shoulder-to-shoulder, uh, where you're doing an activity together. Uh, that actually makes men more likely to open up and share different things. Uh, if We almost feel overly exposed if we're sitting across from each other, making eye contact in ways that we don't. I mean, you take guys driving in a car even, shoulder to shoulder, they're able to have deeper conversations than they can if they're sitting across the table from each other. Um, but so when we think as well about how to deal with loneliness and man, it's not necessarily just going to these deep conversations is first and foremost, you know, what are activities that could bring us together to bond us? Then we will open up kind of more deeper conversations about, Hey, what's going on in life, et cetera. So what I'm hearing here is men, if you, if you're, working on your psychology or therapy, what I, I don't even understand what licenses do what, but if that's something you're interested in, maybe you should also get certified as a personal trainer and just open a gym and work side by side, right? That, that's therapy. Talk to me about how I feel about things on bench pressing. We're good. I mean, there's, there's a massive amount there. I, I mean, look, I, I want to be careful because therapy is research-based and mm-hmm. proven to help you it is extremely effective. Um, but it, it's also, I, I view everything in the space as different, they're tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, they serve different purposes. And to me, therapy, as I just said, like what that person can't find the job, if there's a blocker there, like the way they're showing up or uh, they're avoiding different things, therapy can help figure that kind of stuff out. Or say something bad did happen to you or you're going through grief, you lost somebody. Um, therapy is really good there. But if you look at, uh, mental health 
issues, we're seeing a huge increase in people struggling with their mental health. I mean, 80% of people say they're stressed frequently. Um, their rates of depression, anxiety keep going up year by year, particularly when you look at it since 2010, we've seen a huge increase. What happened in 2010? Smartphones. Uh, and you just look at through history where we're at compared to 100 years ago, our lifestyle is so freaking different now. It has changed a ton. Um, we sit all day, even if you exercise three times a week, most of us are sitting the rest of the day and we're sitting inside where we don't get sun, we get light at nighttime, you know, we eat bad food instead of socializing with friends. We look at social media and hit the like button. I, there's so many parts of modern society, the pressures and way we need to live now that aren't good for our mental health, but it's just what our lifestyle is but we're paying the consequences for it. And look, if you actually went and saw a therapist and they were good therapists, the way they would start, and, and if your issue is not like, hey, I'm going in because of a loss, you're just like, I feel kind of depressed. They would ask you like, what's going on with your lifestyle? How are you eating? You know, are you socializing? And they would start by trying to fix lifestyle issues before they go into any kind of deep-seated trauma, et cetera. And so to your point of, lifting weights, going to the gym and talking to somebody. Well, yeah, exercising and socializing and being present with other people and off your screens, massive difference. If you're not doing that and you feel bad, you feel stressed, anxious, depressed, start there. There's a really good chance that that is going to alleviate most of your issues. If it doesn't and you fix other parts of your lifestyle, eating well, getting off your screen more, et cetera, and you're still struggling, okay, maybe that's the time where you need to go deeper and go see a therapist. But it's just kind of a tool and where do you start? And I think for a lot of guys out there, they're pretty open to starting with the lifestyle changes, starting with changes with their how physical they are in exercise. They're just a little bit more hesitant about going into talk therapy. Well, and I should... Because I can, I can come across pretty harsh on talk therapy. I, I'm not saying talk therapy is not effective, gentlemen. I mean, let me be really clear about this because I don't want to discourage somebody from going when they need to talk to somebody. Yep. I'm saying, are suggesting that to start those conversations with men, there may be a more effective tipping point to start that work together. I think... Uh, like a therapist would get a lot farther started going on a walk and talking to somebody, mm. right? Getting out of the office, which is an uncomfortable environment for men, getting out of the face-to-face -face and just going for a walk and starting that conversation there, per yeah. se, than the traditional, let's dive into this in the office for, you know, clinical setting. Uh, I think that would be less imposing on men. So I think that there is absolutely a value to talk therapy. I think the initiation of that could be done better in some circumstances. And I'm sure there's probably a therapist out there who actually does something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, just my experience with them was never. It was, here's the chair. You're looking at me. Now, how do you feel about that, Dallin? Really feel like I want to throw something at you right now. You know, <laughs> it was not a healthy uh, start for me that way. So I have a slightly slanted guys. I have been to a therapist a long time ago. It was not a really positive experience. Mm. It was a very traumatic scenario. So part of it had to do with the situation I was in and where I was in. I was in the military at the time. It was, it was a mess. So I'm probably a little shaded, but I just think there's better ways to start that conversation with men that are going to yeah. let it open up better. Yeah. And that's, uh, so one of my team, he's uh, chair of a psych department and uh, world expert in men's mental health. And a lot of his research is how to get through to guys and talk to them in a way that works. Um, mm -hmm. And I love his approach because it is a, he builds off like a strength-based approach to masculinity. So instead of like, hey, masculinity is, has all these problems, it's full of deficits and it's toxic, et cetera. He doesn't do any of that. He's like, masculinity has all these great sides to it. So I want to find ways to meet guys there and assume that masculinity is good. And, and what are ways that you can work if you're a therapist with men in a better way? And one is, yeah, go for walks with, with men. It is a really effective way. Um, I think unfortunately there's the way training is done in grad schools. There's not enough work being done 
across different programs to teach uh, up and coming therapists how to work with men in particular. Usually, in fact, if there's kind of a uh, gendered work uh, being done, it's really focused on uh, working with females and, and, and women's health, which in some ways is understandable if you kind of look back on, you know, historical dynamics. But in the mental health profession, it's 75% of therapists are female. Um, most of the clientele are female. Uh, most researchers in the space are female. So it, it, the people involved there are mostly female. So it's actually one space where it's really clear that there needs to be actual work done to the opposite end uh, of understanding men. Like an example of this is I think a lot of therapists out there don't understand uh, what is a male form of depression. Uh, there's traditional form of depression, which is just uh, it shows up where you have anhedonia, a lack of pleasure, or you feel sad, etc. Um, but for men, and if you were to measure that in men, they're you know way less likely to ever become depressed than women. But research lately has gone, wait, how does depression actually show up in men? And it shows up differently. It shows up by anger, irritation, uh, men descending into risk-taking, into substance abuse, men descending into workaholism. Uh, there's different ways that it shows up with men and there's an avoidance component to it. And so it doesn't show up just as the pure sadness side. But the issue is, is that if therapists haven't been trained to spot that, they might not see a guy who's angry and look behind that anger and go, well, oh, it's sadness. Oh, there's depression underneath here. That's what's happening. Uh, so I am really strongly believe that a big need we need to see if we're going to improve men's mental health is that the therapy industry in general needs to become more aware of gender differences and there needs to be more training of therapists out there about how to work with men for walks, understand male depression, understand that there maybe needs to be an element of coaching that goes with the therapy and there needs to be a little bit more flexibility there. Why, why has it been... I, I understand that it's been traditionally more female involvement in uh, becoming therapists and stuff like that and working in therapy. Why is men's mental health such a awkward subject? I mean, we can look at the stats. I, I love stats. I'm a, I'm a huge stat nerd when it comes to things like this. And we can see the stats and the stats have been, I mean, especially when you start talking about suicide uh, and depression, anxiety, the stats have been there for a, it's yeah. not a short number at this point, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's not there. a new issue. So yeah. why has it been such an awkward conversation so far in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. It, it's, it, it is a little bit infuriating that for so long, it's just kind of been dismissed. Uh, and I, I think there's this element where, uh, there's a, a blame that gets placed on men. Mm -hmm. I, so it's like men with the suicide. Well, that's men's fault for not dealing with their mental health. Um, and there's an element where men have uh, been socialized for long times to like, hey, growing up, don't cry. I think that's kind of diminished. It's like, okay, it's not actually that bad of a thing. Um, I think there's elements, you know, where... We've been taught to control our emotions and there's a really good side to that that enables you to perform, uh, makes you resilient and makes you tough in certain situations. But it could also have a negative side um, where there are times where you need to process and let go of the control so you can handle it uh, and move past different problem points. So I think there's an element that masculinity men bring that to the table and so they get blamed for not uh, dealing with their mental health. And so it's kind of their fault. Um, and instead of going, well, what are we doing to help men deal with things better? What are we doing as a, like a system to help them? How are we creating more solutions that will fit with their needs? Um, instead of just telling them different, why aren't we meeting them where they're at and helping them from that point on? So there's just some weird cultural kind of war stuff that happens in here that makes it a little bit hard to just do what I think is important, which is help people who are suffering um, and ignore all that other crap and just focus on that. 
Uh, I'm we we talk about stoicism periodically here on the channel, and I I'm a big fan of several stoic principles. However, one of the holes in that is I I think is a gift that men are able to control their responses to their emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it enables men to do a lot of things they couldn't do otherwise. However, there's never the tail end of that when we're like you know control your emotions, control your responses to things, but we never finish that sentence and find a healthy outlet to process that with once you're out of that scenario. Yep. Right. That was one of the things my dad worked with me with. I, I had anger issues in junior high. I was bullied. I was the fat kid. And so I was bullied and I was picked on and I developed some major anger issues and I would go split wood. I get home from school, like drop my bag and go outside and just split wood mm. because I, I had to, it was the only way I could not take someone's head off because I was getting to the point where you said the wrong thing to me and like I'd bounce you off a hallway locker because I would went through a growth spurt and all of a sudden I was bigger than everybody and stronger than everybody. But I was already so angry. So my dad started just the best he could do because he knew I wasn't ready to talk about things was he gave me a physical outlet to blow off mm. that and let me work through it. But I don't think we have that conversation when we talk about it in modern masculinity. We go control things, but we don't then say, but you have to find that healthy outlet for you to process and deal with those emotions and those feelings. Right. I think we're missing yep. part of that conversation. Yeah. I, this is so spot on. Um, yeah. I, I, and I appreciate you bringing up stoicism and, you know, things like mental toughness. The word mental toughness, particularly with men, is almost like viewed as a negative because it's like, oh, okay, that means, you know, men are processing things. They're just trying to be tough. But look at the research on mental toughness. It is hugely valuable to be more mentally tough. It makes you resilient to stress. It means you can perform under pressure. It means you can accomplish things that other people can't. It is uh, something that we are actually seeing a decrease in and over time. I and mean, it's something we should be cultivating the opposite in more mental toughness. It is good for society. It's good for you. Um, and so, and I, I think with men, they're not hearing the message. This is kind of like a part of masculinity uh, that controlling of the emotions and uh, drive towards that mental toughness. And it's, I feel like a part we should appreciate and encourage. But, you know, when I also talk about masculinity, it's when you look at research, um, there's different ideas of what it means to be a masculine man. And, you know, there could be traditional ideas of masculinity, conservative, progressive ideas of masculinity. There's all kinds of different ideas of what it means to be a man. And the research doesn't show that any single one of them is an issue. Um, traditional masculinity is fine. The only way you get into problems with any form, uh, whatever your view is of masculinity, is when you have a really rigid take on what it means to be a man and that you always have to embody that. So, hey, to be a man is to be mentally tough and control emotions. That means 100% of my time, I always need to be mentally tough and control my emotions. And that is just not the case. Uh, you know, one of our protocols, we have a master chief uh, Navy SEAL who teaches it. And he was talking about in combat, he was like, you know, in combat, uh, if someone breaks down and cries, uh, it's not going to go well. <laughs> like, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, you need to be in control of your emotions. But... You know, if you've lost a comrade and you're like at the funeral um, and that is a moment where it might be actually good for you to grieve and let go of some of those emotions and not be emotional control because ultimately you then, um, you know, more fine with whatever is happening in life, more present, more able to, you know, continue living a good life if you sometimes do let go of that control and process and deal with those emotions. So I think it's just really important. It's like, it doesn't matter uh, what your view of masculinity is and mental toughness is good, but it's just, we need to realize being flexible in situations. That's where we open up a lot of doors for ourselves. And that's why I often talk about, Hey, just view everything as a different tool. What's the right tool for the right moment. Uh, sometimes the tool in the moment is to, 
let go and deal with those emotions of sadness from a loss. Have you heard uh, the song from Dax to be a man? It was, yeah. it was making a circle on social media a couple months ago. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Yeah. Darius Rucker, Darius Rucker re-recorded it with him. Like it was a great duet. Uh, you, you should go check it out because it, it's dealing with that concept of what is a man in modern society and the pressures on them and stuff. I, I think mm. it would really resonate with some of the work you're doing. Now, guys, I want to be fully transparent. I use the mental app currently. Uh, Anson was generous enough to help me get started with that. And I've been using it regularly. And I will give you guys a full review on that upcoming, uh, not in this show, of course. I don't want to take up that time. But I am using it. I've been using it now for, I want to say, six or seven weeks. Awesome. And I absolutely love this app. Uh, I've, you've heard me talk about it once or twice on social media if you follow me on Instagram. But in the next part of the show, we've, we've been talking about mental health in general right now. In the next part of the show, I'm, we're going to talk a little bit about mental and how it works. How is different than some of the other options that are out there? Uh, I will tell you, I'm I'm a believer. After using it for several weeks, I look forward to using it. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I've been testing out protocols because I wanted to give you guys full information about it and have a working knowledge of it before I had Anson on the show. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. We're going to dive into how you can work on your own mental health and why you should as a man. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to go to our sponsor and we'll be right back with more from answer Whitmore. How well do you sleep at night? Do you toss and turn and wake up more tired than when you went to bed? Sleep is commonly one of the critical elements people fall short on in their life. The quality of sleep you get directly affects your ability to control your weight, your ability to add muscle, your stress levels, and your everyday job and life performance. If you're ready to move to the next level, then sleep has to be part of the plan. Check out our friends at ghostbed.com if you're ready to get your best sleep. I love my ghost bed. I've been sleeping on one for a couple of years and has made a huge difference in how I sleep. Hit ghostbed.com and use the code thefallibleman30 to get 30% off your order and start getting better night's sleep tomorrow. Now, let's go on to the show. Guys, welcome back. In the last part of the show, we've been diving into men's mental health, which is, as you know, we believe is a really important topic here on the show. And Anson is just giving us a ton, a ton of value in this. In this part of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the approach that they are taking with the mental, uh, the mental app. I, I almost blurred that into one word, the mental health app. You know, with yeah. the app. <laughs> get that right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> kind of we'll intentional. A different approach because like it fascinated me when I first got in contact with you guys. You said your first hire was a comedian. <laughs> this is not something we generally associate with mental health. So you instantly had my attention. Yep. I was like, wait, how does that work? So you guys are coming at a totally different approach aimed specifically at men. I, I already told you guys I'm having an incredible experience. I'm loving using this app as part of my daily life. Uh, there are days I miss it because I get busy and I tend to send my phone to the side and just focus on editing or whatever I've got that day. And I actually noticed the days I don't use it. Mm. Now, after using it for uh, seven, eight weeks, I actually take note. My brain's like, you didn't do that today. Amazing. Right? Yeah. So I'm having a really great experience with this, but tell us a little bit about this approach you guys are taking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, only the only mental health company app or anyone in the space who made hiring a comedian their first hire. <laughs> and it's, uh, man, mental health. I, I mean, you've, everyone here has heard my story. Now, it, mental health issues can be serious, um, but it doesn't always have to be so damn serious. Uh, and it's, I think also you want to get through to guys. It can't be, you know, when I talk to my buddies about what's going on with me, we always bring some amount of levity and humor to it. It's just our way of talking about this kind of stuff. And but I also just think about it, it's like, man, it's just all serious and boring. And would I prefer to do that or go look at social media or all the other things I could do? There's a lot of competition for our attention right now. And I think about like a brand like uh, Liquid Death who took something like water that was just like boring and serious. And they made it fun and entertaining. I'm like, why doesn't someone do this in the mental health space? It's just like 
why can't we just make it a little bit more fun? If you want guys to do stuff here every day, it's got to be fun. If it's just serious hard work, you're only going to get through to so many folks. Um, so yeah, that's a big part. And, and a big part, you probably already picking up on some of the ways that we're approaching it differently of like thinking on the ground floor, you know, what are men's needs? How do we meet them where they're at and build them up from there? Um, and some of it is, you know, guys are pretty open to tweaking their lifestyle and lifestyle issues are such a major factor. So there's one part of the app that's just all kind of content, uh, media that is, uh, we call it a mental tainment platform or entertainment for your mind. Uh, it's supposed to fit seamlessly into your daily routine to kind of just tweak what those routines are in a better way. Tongue in cheek, V1 of uh, the app was built around men's shit shower and shave routine. Uh, so you have like the two minutes of the daily deuce. So uh, instead of doom scrolling away your daily deuce, listen to the daily deuce, uh, get a little bit of wisdom, motivation, encouragement. And I think of it almost like a microdose of just mindset shift, where it's just a little story each day that pushes your mind in the right direction. Even if you, if it's a lesson you've heard before, rehearing it, it's just so important to have just a little bit of good words in your mind ringing through your, through your morning. Uh, cold shower protocol. I just love this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on this, guys. It's, and, and you got like the best person in the world. Like this, the, honest to God. I would not have done this if you had found anybody else to oversee this protocol. Amazing. Please, please share that. Yeah, yeah he's uh, uh, about to start recording more content with us. He's a Master Chief Navy SEAL. Um, so this is guided uh, cold shower protocol where you actually press the start button before you get into a hot shower. Um, so you do a normal shower, and then he kind of starts talking as you you know finish up your hot shower. You could set the time of how long you want to do hot. And then builds you up to turn the handle to cold and just starts really easy habit formation, just showing up five seconds of cold water and it builds up slowly over time to do it more cold. Uh, but every day he gives you a mental tool that's either from the SEALs or kind of the mental health, uh, neuroscience, mental health industry generally. But the tools about how to handle the stress and difficulty of something hard like cold water. And so you use that tool right in the moment to handle the cold, and it makes it a lot easier. Um, but you're also having to laugh. The stand-up comedian that we have like pops in uh, for different episodes, and uh, and he's not a drill sergeant just yelling at you. There's amazing stories of his time in combat, but also his time building out the warrior toughness program for the for the Navy. And uh, there's just it's entertaining. But really, what I is just so cool about it is. Ultimately, you're training under stress to handle stress differently. And what we hear from a lot of folks is that uh, everyday kind of stress, like kids yelling in the backseat, they're on a date or interviewing or something like that. They just show up really differently. These kind of mental tools that they learn turn on. Uh, they stay relaxed, they stay focused, and they handle themselves better. Um, and this is the part. We had a guy write in recently, he said... Um, He's a teacher and there was a school shooting situation that happened and ended up being a false alarm. But he said, there's three tools from the protocol uh, that just all naturally turned on in the moment. And he was like, I handle myself the way I wanted to handle myself in front of my students. I was the leader I wanted to be in that situation in ways that I just would not have been two months ago. And we're like, that's fucking amazing. Um, but... Yeah, and so that's uh, that part of the app is lifestyle kind of changes, and um, and then we also have uh, AI coach um, who can go deeper uh, into what's going on with you if you're kind of struggling, but also is more focused on what are the solutions, how do we work towards problems, and and the AI is uh, an AI version of a legendary guy like. Bruce Lee, uh, Bob Marley, Muhammad Ali, the dude Big Lebowski. Uh, <laughs> And they could talk to you about whatever's stressing you. And we have one uh, conversation you could do in particular where it's like, hey, I'm just feeling stressed. Help me take the edge off it. And guys report 32% decreases in stress in just a three to four minute conversation, um, which is pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> and so you could also go deeper. And to us, it enables you to kind of change your lifestyle. But if things pop up and you need to go deeper, 
we also got you there. It's just kind of more of a full solution to dealing with mental health. Guys, it's it's very you don't feel awkward because it doesn't it doesn't feel like someone's like trying to get in touch with your feelings or it doesn't feel like our preconceived notions of mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Uh from Hollywood, from our exposure on TV and stuff like that. We we all have that talk therapy couch therapist picture in our head. Mm-hmm. You start talking about therapy, that's what you see in your head. Like yeah. I, I, I challenge you. I, I swear. Just I challenge you. If I say therapy, what picture jumps into your head right now? <laughs> I guarantee it's that. Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> Sopranos. What we have been, what's the right word, conditioned to think of by Hollywood. Whether it's televisions or movies, that's what we've been conditioned to conceive of this is therapy right it doesn't feel like that like i look forward to listening to the daily deuce it's freaking hilarious uh there are times it's touching uh background christmas you guys had one yeah where it talked about you know the truce going on between two sets of freezing soldiers and like i i teared up a little bit like Mm. it was just a beautiful story but it also then you turned around and applied it to me. Mm. You don't feel like you're doing therapy. But like I said, I do actually feel the difference on the days I don't use it. I notice I'm not doing it. Mm. And the way you guys have set up the protocols, like, so I know the science behind cold water exposure for like athletic recovery. I am a personal trainer. Uh, I grew up as an athlete. And so, like, I mean, even when I was younger, I, I remember seeing the ice tubs at, like, college campuses and stuff like that, yeah. high schools uh, for the athletes. And I thought, I don't ever want to do that, right? <laughs> I do know the research. I'm, I love, like, strongman training and stuff like that and powerlifting. And I know all those guys at the top level all have ice baths in their home. Yeah. They use hot tubs <laughs> because they're really big dudes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... I, I had some questions in my head, right? I've always gone back and forth because for a long time there was debates on whether cold showers had the same impact as a submersion, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that you guys reached out to one of the mental toughness trainers for the SEALs, I thought if anybody can teach me to handle the cold water, to even try cold showers, like they got this this incredible guy who... Well, let's face it, all of us envision when we were like tough dudes, we all pitched the SEALs and the Green Berets, right? We're all thinking about the Special Forces guys. And so I thought, okay, he's going to teach me something about this that I don't know. And if anyone's going to walk me through it, it's going to be this guy. Yeah. So it's a very different, like you don't feel like you're in a therapist's office. You don't feel like someone's trying to shrink your brain or make you feel a certain way but you feel compelled to grow and to work on yourself and to actually think a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's a totally different approach. Yeah. That's like, um, that, that David do. So we, we also followed up with that, what we call the David do, which is reflect for a moment on what you just heard. And, and then our AI coach helps turn that into a way for you to act that day. What's a small thing you could do a little bit to step in this direction? And it's a big thing. Like we listen to podcasts or uh, read a book or something like that. And we're like, oh, that's interesting insight. But it's also, how's that insight really applied to my life? And that takes a little bit of work. And then the work to also go, oh, well, if that's relevant to me that way, what actually should I be doing differently? And it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this differently today. And if that's what your life starts being, where you start learning things and tweaking your life and a little bit differently every day, it adds up in a major way towards, are you living a life where you feel like you're on autopilot or are you living a life where you think it's a life of purpose where you know what you're doing, where you have stress and control? Um, And that is a big goal of it. It's just little shifts and have fun doing it, but it has a huge impact on how you feel day in, day out. I love the fact that you made it where you can pick your AI coach. That was such a cool move. Just 
Guys, you get to, you don't you're not stuck with the Big Lebowski or Bruce Lee. They have a catalog of guys that all of us know their names, all of us respect them. I promise you're going to find somebody from the Stoics all the way up to Andrew Huberman. Uh, you, you're going to find somebody in there that you're like, dude, I listen to that guy. Like yeah. that guy, I I listen to him. I connect with what he says. I value his opinion and advice. Uh, that was such a cool feature when I was setting up my profile. Yeah. How did you, I mean, how do you, I don't even know. I, I don't understand how that works in the background, but it's cool. Yeah, no, it's exciting. Yeah, uh, we didn't start with that idea. We were just like, uh, when you arrive in the app, we're like, which which guys do you look up to? Uh, and why do you look up to them? Just to understand why people are coming in and uh, for them to also understand what we stand for as well. And, and then we're like, oh, well, if we're doing AI, we could build out these models so that they could be, uh, yeah, Bruce Lee or Muhammad Ali uh, talking to you. And Or there's a, the only one who's not a, person is there's a just a navy seal general archetype and then uh but yeah we figure that's maybe better than goggins <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the goggins <laughs> that's a whole yeah. Yeah. tangent it happened <laughs> now anson you are working to change the face of mental health for men and make it approachable make it something that we actually want to process and work through and have that conversation with this company. But how do we start this conversation at home first? Cause that's the first place we get to have the conversation, right? So if our guys listening, cause one of the things that you and I totally see an eye on, on that is I like the daily do because I like action steps. I like takeaways. So we've got men listening to the show right now. Now, obviously, guys, I'm going to say, even if Anson doesn't say it, go download the app. Seriously, just do yourself a favor. Like I said, full review coming out later, but just just go download the app, okay? You know I don't promote apps. This is the third app I've ever covered on this show. In oh, wow. season five, this is the third app I have ever actually covered. One of them was also another mental health app, uh, different build out, interesting. But I got to say this one, I've, I've used both. I, I love your app. I am a fan, uh, but I can tell you guys that, but right now, maybe you're listening to this conversation, right? What are the first three steps our listeners can take to start adjusting their own self-talk, their own headspace to start looking at dealing with their mental health? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so great to have this conversation um, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Look at just the rates of how much, like it's eight out of 10 guys are reporting that they're super stressed, um, and stressed frequently. The loneliness rates that we hear amongst men are super high. The amount of men who feel like they're on autopilot and not living a life of purpose is wildly high and it's gotten higher. I mean, there's, it's, I think we used to think, oh, this is kind of mental health is like, oh, it's something like where you're on medication and this is a few people over here who are depressed and have an issue and I'm not one of those guys. But the reality is when you look at the numbers, almost all of us are dealing with issues around mental health. It's a normal thing now. It's not the odd thing. It's the standard. Um, and so we just live in a different society. You know, a hundred years ago when, I don't know, we lived in the high plains, <laughs> maybe was fine to just be uh, the meanest son of a bitch out there with the quickest draw on the six shooter. But now we live in an era where we have really different pressures on us with social media, et cetera. We need to be thinking about how to handle those life pressures in a different way. And the reality is, is we have to combat them. We need to actively work on countering the ways that modern society is pushing us to behave and act and feel. Um, and so this requires a certain amount of intentionality and training. So I think when it's just thinking about mental health, it's we're all dealing with issues of modern society. It is the norm. I think that's the big thing people need to be clear about in their head. And that the way to handle it, it doesn't have to just be talk therapy or nothing. 
there is a tremendous number of ways you could tweak your lifestyle uh, that will make you feel fulfilled, happy, less stress. Life is short. It's really short. It's like we all think we're going to live to 85, um, be that old guy who dies with family around him. But we could die in an accident tomorrow. You know, we get cancer in a couple of years. We don't realize how fleeting it is until it's gone. And so you need, it's like our one opportunity to be able to appreciate, you know, dancing with your wife or seeing the sunset or all your kids growing up or all the magical things we have. But working on your mental health and putting a little work there is what will enable you really appreciate that stuff, appreciate the magic of being live for just such a short amount of time. Try to hide all that stuff. Uh, it's like we're just going to let this life go by without really any kind of meaning to it, without being the sort of man that you ultimately want to be. And so it, I think without working on your mental health, it ultimately is a way to live a life with a lot of regrets versus a life uh, that is full of like happiness and purpose. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is, A, we have to first start to normalize that in our brain. It's not weird. It's not abnormal. It's not something... It doesn't make you weird or strange or horrible or broken, right? So we have to normalize the conversation yeah. in our head. Makes you a, a modern human. Then we have to look for a path, a solution that we want to try, that we're willing to try, yeah, right? And then not wait, right? That's, that's the third thing is not wait. now do something. Don't, don't wait. So understand it's it's normal it's okay it doesn't make you broken pick a solution to try pick something pick a direction whether it's talk therapy or if you don't think you need talk therapy maybe it's just having like a group of friends that you guys sit down and actually have real conversations and then make it immediate right that, that's what i'm hearing is don't wait yeah. uh if you're if you're even starting to question that you might have some mental health concerns, whether it's anxiety or depression. You guys, when we say mental health, everybody's like thinking about schizophrenia. We're not, okay? We're talking about depression. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about being withdrawn from people, right? Yeah, or just just feeling stressed day in, day out, overwhelmed at work. You're worrying about your finances. Uh, you're fighting with your partner, uh, like, that's that's mental health. Um, feeling like you're on autopilot. That's mental health. It doesn't have to, you know, capital D depression. Um, it's just I'm stressed and not feeling that great every day. Or, or I know I could be feeling better and more on top of my game. That's mental health. So, what's next for Anson Whitmore? Are we? Are you going to continue to expand the app? Are we adding more things to it? Or yeah, something else up your sleeves too. Oh yeah, uh, it's like we have, our, we have our next protocol in the works. Um, we are just um, just sorting out the coach. It won't be Navy Seal, but it it might be uh, a a very famous boxer, mm -hmm. um, which I'd be pretty excited if, if it goes that way. Um, but again, it is it won't be cold water. It'll be something physical. And again, it's kind of that combination of doing some physical. Cause a lot of guys like to deal with their mental health by exerting themselves physically, but that combination of what's your mindset while you're doing some physical, how does that mindset show up in the rest of your day? Uh, how does that mindset help you do that physical thing even better than you otherwise would? So just entertainment and fun plus like shifts in mind. Um, we have, yeah, there's, there's a bunch coming in that. The next uh, six months is all about building different stuff out and, really excited to uh for you to see where it's going to be come like june july that's cool i'm looking forward to that for sure where is the best place for people to connect with you um yeah i you could find me on linkedin uh my full name uh, that's a great spot uh you know we're get mental uh dot com is where we're at we like to tell everyone it's time to get mental um, <laughs> and you can actually get a hold of me at anson at getmental.com Okay. Now, I know that everybody's really concerned about this, that the oldest drink in the United States is not actually Coca-Cola. <laughs> is it the ginger ale? It's Dr. Pepper. 
Oh, it's Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper oh. is the oldest soft drink in the in the United States. Uh, they also own Seven Up. Yeah, it's uh, it's still independent actually. Uh, Dr. Oh. Pepper is his own company down in Texas. It's, what do you know? What year? I don't know what year. Yeah. I'm a, I, I look at these questions, but I didn't have the dates. I, I trust yeah. that they weren't lying to me when I was. Yeah. I'm just amazed. Uh, I, I love Dr. Pepper growing up. Anson, we, we've talked about some really important things today, but the, this is the moment. Okay. I want you to take us out. If our listeners heard nothing else that we talked about in this entire conversation, what do you want them to hear today? <laughs> First thoughts is it's time to get mental. Uh, uh, it really is it's we gotta stop delaying this stuff uh, it is so valuable you will see a difference uh there's a lot of different tools out there find the tool that works for you and start using it guys for Ansel whitmore and for myself thanks for hanging out with us today be better tomorrow because of what you do today and we'll see you on the next one this has been the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.